What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Saturday, August the 7th, the year 2021. Got lots to do uh, in our last show before the last Saturday of the month. Get into, uh, give you a couple of thoughts as far as the National Football League is concerned here at the top. Uh, talk some Major League Baseball uh, for you, just to give a little State of the Union on a couple of teams that I want to give my two cents on uh, before we say goodbye for the next uh, two, three weeks. And then uh, NBA free agency, some re-signings um, that I want to get to as well later in the program. But where we begin is we welcome you in on this final show until the 28th of uh until the 28th of August that is a Saturday so get a little bit of a get a little bit of a breather a little bit of a blow uh and if you all are behind on any episodes any podcasts will allow you guys to uh that my little hiatus will allow you guys to take a little bit of uh take a little bit of a break um and I'll be with you the and I'll be with you uh Right, right before we last, uh, what about? I think the last week. I think that's the last weekend of uh, training camp slash preseason, and then we'll be on our way. Started the started the new NFL season, college football season, and of course down the stretch with uh, Major League Baseball, and we will take you right through the football season, uh, right straight through the football season. Uh, maybe take a little bit of a hiatus, maybe after the Super Bowl, depending on what's going on with basketball and Major League Baseball, if we even have a season come 2022, and we'll go from there. But where we, where we will begin here on this first Saturday show of the month of August is there's three uh, coaches, three football coaches that uh, have annoyed me within the last uh, few weeks or so that I want to sound off on. Uh, that I've seen in the news and I and it's caught my attention, but with all the other topics that I've discussed on the show, with between NFL training camp, Aaron Rodgers, NBA Finals, NBA free agency, MLB trade deadline, didn't have a chance to address them. Now that the now that you know the sports world, as far as big time uh, news is concerned, has kind of calmed down, it will allow me to uh, give you my uh, my opinions on a couple of topics. Uh, the first, uh, let's be. There's three coaches: Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, and Deion Sanders. And Je- and Joe Judge is the first one uh, who needs to have who needs to look himself in the mirror when he either when he got up this morning or when he gets gets up or goes to bed later tonight or gets up tomorrow morning needs to check it and needs to look at himself in the mirror. And when he goes into the Giants facility out there in Jersey. Uh, come uh, to either they either when they practice tomorrow or Monday, he needs to check his ego at the door. Okay, this is a coach that has that has done absolutely nothing, nothing in his life. Nobody gives a crap about his about his dopey two BCS national championships when he was the special teams assistant under Saban at Alabama. Okay, that's Nick Nick Saban's calling the shots down at Alabama, not Joe Judge. Nobody cares about his about his little about his two minuscule national championship rings, and nobody gives a damn about his three Super Bowl rings that he won under Belichick uh, in the, 
for the fort for the 2014, 16, and 18 New England Patriots. Again, Belichick's calling the shots, not Joe Judge and not uh, um, Matt Patricia, who was a who was a disaster this past season uh, over with the uh, Detroit Lions. So, so he's done absolutely nothing, nothing in his coaching career and his coaching life. Has done absolutely nothing outside of reap the benefits and ride on the coattails of being a Bill Belichick assistant, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban assistant coach. Okay, so that's the first thing. And for him to basically run these giant training camp practices as if, as if, as if you know, he's my buddy Jacob Biggs, who's trying to become an Army Ranger, running boot, running boot camp at some Army Reserve somewhere in the in the in the country in the countrysides of the United States or in some godforsaken country overseas, then to be running these giant training camp practices when they're about one two weeks in to. One two weeks in the camp is an, is 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 so laughable. It, he I, if it was my team, I'd tell him either tone it down a notch or I'm giving you the pink slip because this is because this is ridiculous. There have been when several NFL players, several NFL players are retiring at the drop of a hat. Four players, four players, have retired over the first two weeks of training camp with the Giants. Not one, not four, four, four. You got four players retiring when through the first two weeks of camp. So then an eyebrow needs to be raised and questions need to be asked. Four guys, because you can't handle it. And I've read and heard quotes all over the place that this guy does nothing but scream and yell. He cusses 9,000 times. He's too worried about his ego. He runs around like a drill sergeant. Like, like, like it's his, I mean, it's his way of the highway. He's head coach. But like, but like he's, but like he's, he's, he's above, he's above reproach that, not, that he can't do any, that he can't do anything wrong, that it's never his fault. Oh, I, I'm so, I'm so sick of hearing it and I'm so sick of reading it. He's too worried about his ego. Blah blah blah. Listen, when you, listen when you Bill Belichick, and when you Nick Saban, the two greatest and winningest coaches of the 21st century and of all time in the history of the NFL and the history of college football, you can get away and you can do a lot of you can do and say and act a certain way and do and say a, a whole hell of a lot of things that the average Joe, no pun intended, can't nor shouldn't do or has the leverage to do. As a head coach of their own football team, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick's won championships. Coach for coach for coach for over thirty years at numerous amounts of locations, numerous amounts of cities. Have coached numerous amounts of players. Have won and appeared in numerous amounts of champion. Have won numerous amounts of championships and have appeared in numerous amounts of championship uh, games. And Joe Judge, who thinks. Who thinks he's Nick Saban, Bill Belichick reincarnated? Is going to sit up here and make these NFL, and treat these NFL players look like like school children? I mean, really? Uh, I, I again, he has done absolutely nothing. 
nothing in his life. Nobody cares about him riding the coattails of Belichick and Saban. Irrelevant. Nobody cares. Saban and Belichick were calling the, were calling the shots, not Joe Judge. Okay, and it's the same guy with the whole, with the rah rah speeches and and Mr. and Mr. Tough Guy want to be Mr. Old School foot Old School nineteen uh, seventies football coach and yet and yet, and, he, and he he hasn't won anything. Giants got into a huge fight early in the week, late last week, their training camp, whatever it was. I think I think it was earlier. Yeah, earlier this week was 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 uh, was fighting left and right during training camp. Uh, uh, um, Daniel Jones is at the bottom of the pile, and he's going to zip, and he's making the team do up downs, push ups, and run and run uh, all all around the field until they until they vomit all over themselves. I mean, really? I mean that suicides and and doing up downs until I say stop and the push ups. That stuff works. That stuff works on these levels. Pop Warner, middle school. If you play, if you if you have a middle school, that's a middle school football team. But primarily, that that stuff works on high school and college kids. Kids. That stuff works. That stuff works for your 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds. That stuff does not. That stuff does not work on. That that stuff does not work on grown men. All right. Okay, that 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 stuff works. That stuff works for kids who genuinely love the game, are not getting paid a nickel to do it, haven't accomplished anything. They're young, and they're still in a position where they have to respect and 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 and, and show um, reverence to an authority figure. All right, a little different. All right, you can get away with you can get away with that stuff. You can get away with that stuff at Mississippi State, Birmingham Southern, or or whenever Nick Saban gives you gives you a little bit of freedom, you can get away with that uh, in in Tuscaloosa. All right, with with a bunch of with a bunch of grown men with mortgages, lives, families. You know they they got with excuse the expression but got they got a little hair on their chest a little hair underneath their chin a little hair near 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 their man region. That that you know a bunch a bunch of men uh, not all of them but I but a bunch of men that's that's gone through a little bit of something. All right, that stuff is that stuff is going to work on them, not 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 at their ages and not on this level. High school, college, yeah. You want you want you want to use it re-implement those old school type of tactics. You screw up, you act up, you're going to run, and you're going to be conditioned. You're going to do push-ups. You're going to do all, the, all right, fine. If that's the way you if that's the way you want to operate your high school or, or college football team, have at it. Got no issues. Got no problems. Grown men, totally different story. You know when you, when you, when you screw up at work when you screw up at work. You know, does your boss have you run around the run around your your job building nine thousand times and do up downs, do push ups there? No, because what Joe Judge is failing to realize is that these players, um, yes, they love to play football, but this is their job, this is their livelihood, this is what feeds their families. You want to strike fear 
into a into a bunch of into a bunch of and a and a and a, and a team and an NFL team. You want to strike fear into them to make sure that they don't screw up and that they don't uh, and that they don't uh, and and that uh, and that piss poor discipline and, and, and bad football won't be tolerated while you're while you're the head coach of the team. You know what strikes fear into them? Losing their jobs, getting cut, getting cut. Which, in regular world terms, translates into translates into getting let go, getting fired. That is how you motivate NFL players. Them not wanting to lose their job and have to and have to be and having to be unemployed during the football season. That's what's going to scare them and get and get them and and get their uh, and get their high parts in order. That's what's going to provide the 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 the, uh, the the element of fear that Joe Judge wants them to have. Them losing their jobs. NFL players get paid to do this. This is their livelihood. This is how they pay their bills. College college players, high school players don't get paid to do this. They don't they don't get paid to do this. That's the fear. So I'm like, and and eventually. And I don't like know the the Giants roster backwards and forwards, but I would imagine that outside outside of the unproven rookies, outside of the unproven rookies and and the unsigned and the undrafted free agents and the practice squad guys, outside of those players, the NFL player that's been around five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, they've been through too much, and they've been in the league too long. To essentially, to essentially having have to be have to put up with being patronized and being and being treated essentially quote unquote like a child. They've been too much. There's only there's only so much a grown man who's worked their salt and has any and has any type of self respect. And, and any dignity, there's only so much a grown man's going to take. An NFL player that's been around the block for a minute, that, is, that isn't a scrub, that has somehow, some way managed to keep themselves in a league for over five years, they go, they ain't going to put up with a whole lot. They ain't going to put up with a whole lots of uh, with a whole lot of BS from a coach that hasn't accomplished the damn thing as 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 a coach on the D one or in the NFL level that's just getting his feet wet as far as being a head coach for the organization is concerned. They're not gonna they're not gonna tolerate that. All the screaming and the yelling and the over the top. That stuff works on 16, 17 year olds, not grown men. Not grown men. Stuff works on high school. Stuff works on college kids. Not grown men. All right? And again, if Nick Saban and Bill Belichick want to do it, they've earned it. All right? They got more championships than you can shake a stick at. The two greatest football coaches of all time and of this century. Joe Judge has done nothing in his life on his own when... It, while he is the while he's the man in charge, he's the guy that his assistant coaches and his players have to report to. He had to report to Saban, had to report to Belichick, and nobody cares about his national championships and his Super Bowl rings that he won, riding the coattails of Belichick and Saban. He's not Belichick and Saban. When you're Belichick and Saban, you you can do stuff like that. Joe Judge has done nothing. 
His first year at the Giants in that god-awful division when he was still in playoff contention come mid-December, he went 6-10 and and the team fell on its face. And they missed the playoffs. So I also don't want to hear, well, well, whatever Joe Judge is doing is working. It isn't working. He went 6-10. and That's the first thing. Second thing, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree in that Giants coach. I mean, these, these coaches are hot stuff. And they got Jason Garrett, all right? Jason Garrett, Mr. Mediocrity, 8-8 eight and eight himself, that can't coach his way out of a paper bag if his life depended on it, is going to sit up there and chastise it. Who's lucky he has a job? Is going to sit up there and chastise the New York media and sit up there and say, call me coach. Call me coach. Don't call me Jason. Call me coach. What? Uh, Jason, let me let me let me educate you for a minute. Alright. Get your head out of the clouds. You're a football coach. You're not a doctor. Okay? You're not a doctor. You're not a pastor. You're not a rabbi. You're not a religious leader. And you're not a doctor. Alright? You're, you're not that. You're not a professor at a university. Get your head out of the clouds. Wake up. Smell the coffee. Get your head from in between from out in between your legs. Have a little bit of social and a little bit of self-awareness. Stop being so full of yourself. Swallow your pride and take it down a notch, will you please? Okay, you're not the coach. You're not the boss. You're not in charge of the members of the New York media that are there doing their job asking you questions. They don't have to report to you. You don't sign you don't sign their paychecks. You 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 you, you literally have no you literally have no power or no control of of the of the of the members of the New York media doing their job. All you are is all you are essentially is a pawn in helping them in helping them doing their job. That's all you are. That's all you are. You just that you're there so they can do their job. That's all you are. So get over yourself. Swallow your pride and take you and that wanting to call me coach bullcrap and shove it up your ass. Call me coach. Shut up. Call me coach. Nothing. You're, you, you are, you are, you know who calls you coach? The people, the, the, the 90 to 70 plus men people in that giant's locker room. They have to report to you. They have to do what you say during training camp. Those are the guys that call you coach, not members of the New York media. Shut up. It's another guy that needs to get knocked off his high horse and have a sharp piece of humble pie a little bit. He's another coach that's done nothing in his NFL coaching career. But go eight and eight, miss the playoffs, and, and get and get uh, ejected out of the first round of the playoffs nine thousand times.
who again can't coach his way out of a paper bag if the fate of the universe depended on it. Third thing, Deion Sanders along the same lines too. Because he's the one that started this this whole uh, charade with Jason Garrett calling me coach. Here's what Deion Sanders needs to realize, and I hate to say this because I'm a Deion Sanders because I'm a Deion Sanders fan, and I like Deion. But Deion also has to check his ego at the door as well. All right, Deion. Nobody in America, when it comes to how you do as a head coach of Jackson State at Jackson State, and when it comes to assessing you strictly as a college football coach, what you did in your playing days. 30-plus years ago in college at Florida State and on a high level in your prime, no pun intended, with the Cowboys, 49ers, and Falcons is irrelevant. Irrelevant. I understand you're in the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest corners to play the game. I get that. But when it comes to assessing you and your job as a college football head coach, none of that matters. None of that matters. It's irrelevant. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. So for him to sit up there and get in his feelings at a press conference because the reporter called him Dion instead of calling him coach, please, enough. Y'all need to check your egos at the door and have a, and have a little bit of self-awareness. You're not a religious leader. You're not a doctor. All right? You're a football coach. Take it down a notch. Will you please? You're not a doctor out there on the front lines fighting, fighting COVID. You're not that. Okay? Take it easy. You're a football coach. Stop. Stop. The only players that call you coach are the ones within that university that have to report to you and your players. That is it. You are not the you you are not the coach of the of the of the people in the media asking you a question. You're not their coach. You're not you're not their superior. And don't sit up here and give me that garbage about what you call you don't call Nick Saban Nick. Nick Saban has been called Nick numerous amounts of times. If if Deion Sanders paid attention, did a little work, he gets called Nick all the time. He doesn't care. Think Nick Saban cares what the media thinks? He's been called Nick numerous amounts of times. Belichick too. He's not their coach. Please, stop. Another thing, and another thing that's tough to take with Dion getting so pissed off, this guy goes by more nicknames than you can shake a stick at. Prime time. Neon. Neon Dion. Prime time. Goes by Prime. People call him time sometimes, short for prime time. I mean, the guy goes by more nicknames, more nicknames than than anyone than any athlete I can think of within the last 
20, 25 years. I mean, you guys got more. You guys got more nicknames you can shake a stick at, and he's sitting here getting all bent out of shape because 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 a member of the medium called him called him Dion instead of Brian instead of instead of Coach. Give me a break. And again, Deion Sanders. Nobody cares about what he did in college, and nobody cares what he did in the NFL as a player. As a coach, I understand he's just getting his feet wet, but he's done nothing. He went three and zero in their, in their short little season at Jackson State back back in back in uh, back in the springtime, and they collapsed, losing three out of their last four to end the season. And they had their last game of the season canceled because somebody within his organization tested positive for COVID. Judge Garrett Sanders, all of them, check your egos at the door, please. Please. We're feisty here on this final show before the end of the month. Back with more. I'm until I can tell you this podcast. Welcome back. To the Amatilakitayas podcast. Switching gear or keeping with the NFL as a uh, topic theme here as we move on here in the second segment of the show. Um, And just to make this uh, point quick here. The Indianapolis Colts would be, and Frank Wright would be, and Ballard, the G, I believe Frank Ballard's the G, uh, would be incredibly moronic and would be just... Out of out of this world, stupid, to bring in or even to think about bringing in Carson Wentz or Carson Wentz, Nick Foles to replace Carson Wentz for the first month at the minimum of the twenty twenty one season. Let me get so it's and I understand that Nick Foles played the best football of his career when Frank Reich was the GM. Uh, was the G, well, not GM, the offensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles. I understand that while Frank Reich was the GM, oh, why do I keep saying GM? Offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, that he won a Super Bowl. He went on this tremendous run, and during that, during and during that stretch in the and during the and during that rest of the that back end of that 2017 season, that that Nick Foles played. His arguably his greatest football that he ever will play at the NFL at the NFL level ever again. So I get that and I understand all that, but you cannot, under any circumstances, bring him in, and expect Carson Wentz to a be okay with it, b having to deal with that controversy of Wentz and well of Wentz and Foles again. And three, not expect the same thing that went down in Philadelphia. You got if Nick Foles. If there's anything that you have that we've learned since essentially the 20, the 2017 Super Bowl championship that the Eagles won came back came back to bite them came back to bite them and it essentially blew up their team. If you learned anything is that 
Foles and Wentz cannot be on the same team ever again throughout the rest of their lives. Even if they don't physically hate each other, don't really uh, hate each other, you, you can't you can't have them on the, you can't have them on the same team. Can't have them because there's too much friction. There's too much vitriol. And there's too much. Let's just say it. Jealousy between the, bet, uh, that Wentz has against Foles. That was Wentz's team. Wentz was in route to becoming the 2017 NFL MVP. He gets injured. Foles comes in to to uh, to take his place. Plays out of this world. Goes in this tremendous hot streak, and he and they break the and they break the Eagles Super Bowl championship list drought. And he gives them their first championship since 19 since uh, since the early 60s, and gives them gives them their first Super Bowl championship in the history of their franchise. And my, and Nick Foles will forever be a hero and an icon to the Philadelphia Eagles organization and the city of Philadelphia. And Carson Wentz has to deal with that, and he has to deal with the fact that Nick Foles is essentially going to be worshipped since he hoisted up that trophy at U.S. Bank Stadium on uh, on uh, in the, on that first Sunday of February in 2018, and he has to essentially deal with that from at that moment for the rest of his life because and that's why and that's why Carson Wentz got tra- got traded out of town because he couldn't deal with it he couldn't deal with the fact that it, that that uh, Doug Peterson and uh, and Nick Foles are, are going to be forever joined at the hip because they brought the Eagles their first Super Bowl in the, in the history of the franchise he can't deal with the fact that he has to go by that statue sitting outside of Lincoln Financial Field every single time he went he went uh he went into the stadium he has to deal with the pictures of Foles and Peterson probably that's draped through all the facility. Yeah, he has to deal with the fact that he was sitting, that he was standing on the sidelines in street clothes while Nick Foles was was uh, was uh, was uh, playing uh, Gary Cooper in High Noon, getting uh, working and beating, doing the impossible and beating uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to win the fran- to win the franchise their first Super Bowl, and uh, their first Super Bowl. He has to deal with that. And that's that's why he's on the Colts now to begin with. That's why he's that's why he's on the Colts now to begin with. Because of what went down with with uh, with with having to live and having to be in Nick Foles' shadow. That's why that's why he's with the organization to begin with. If it wasn't for that, he'd still be in Philadelphia. So for, and I understand that Foles played his best ball with Reich as the offensive coordinator. And it's Reich's offense. He's an offensive-minded head coach. I get that and I understand all that. But you got to leave the past in the past and appreciate the past. But learning how to learn from it, appreciate it, and move on and on to the next thing. And the And what's getting... Folds and what's getting that people are that was around that Eagle Championship is that that they're a they're living too much in the past and they're allowing that one moment of glory poison their brain and thinking this is how we should run a football team this is how things are supposed to be done within an organization and to and to tell the truth that's not the case it's not the case yes it happened and yes it was great. But that's not. But you, you, you count on your hands how many times it's happened, and on the off the top of my head, it's happened twice 
in the history of the sport where a backup quarterback comes off the bench and leads the team to a championship. High Stellar with the 90 Giants and Nick Falls with the 2017 Eagles. That's it. You, you'd be few and far in between to outside of those two outliers to find examples of quarter of backup quarterbacks to come off the bench while their team is in when the team makes the playoffs and allow them to put their team on their back as a bench player and lead them to a Super Bowl championship. Few and far in between. That's why it's it's, it's no secret, it's no surprise why it's only happened twice in the history of the sport. Because it, because it's because it's that rare. It doesn't happen that often. And yeah, yes, I understand that. And Nick Foles came out in the press conference and he says how much he loves Frank Reich and respects him and loves the job they did in Philadelphia and the chemistry was fantastic. I get all that. But you bring in Foles, what are you gonna do with Wentz? Who you gave up? Who you gave up draft picks for? Who you traded for? who you still have to pay, what are you going to do at once? And there's already information and there's already some history out there in the in the ether that Wentz and Foles on the same team don't mix. They're, they butt heads. They're not, they're not a cohesive unit, so to speak. Why would you want to revisit that? And revisit the crap that went down with Philly over the last few seasons. Why would you want to deal with that? And 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 strike that up again. And and have to and have to essentially relive what went down in Philly the last few years all over again with an entirely different team and an entire different organization. Why would you want to deal with that? Because it is clear that. Since that 17th season, mentally, Carson Wentz has not been the same quarterback and has not been the same player since. Just hasn't. Part of that, because he's having, he's having to live in Nick Foles' shadow. Why, why would the Colts even entertain the idea of making him have to do, making him have to do that again? He's he's already he uh, the only thing the only thing that he liked about being reunited and having something and having the Philly ties with him in Indianapolis is the fact that his old coordinator and Reich is the head coach. But that's it. He doesn't want Foles there. Doesn't want Doug Peterson. That ah, see second old still. He want he wants he wants a clean slate, a fresh start. A fresh start with a familiar face to help him along the ride. That's what he wants. And quite frankly, for the sake of Carson Wentz to becoming a a good pro from here on out, that's what he needs. That's what he needs. So the, the Colts would be absolutely moronic. The GM, right all of them. The owner, Ursay, would be moronic to even entertain the thought of bringing Nick Foles into the locker room to replace Wentz. It would be absolutely moronic. Moronic. Stay away from it. And another thing that's also uncertain is that 
you don't know how Nick Foles is going to play. The best football he's ever played in his career was when Chip Kelly was the head coach's first stint in Philadelphia. And then, of course, 17 Super Bowl season. And, and of course, 18 when he had to replace once again to get him into the playoffs and won him a playoff game. And if... Uh, and if Alshon Jeffrey would have uh, would have been able to hold on to the football against the Saints in a divisional playoff game, they most likely would have went to back-to-back NFC Championship games with Foles at, as their quarterback. But another thing, you know, Foles' best ball in, in his career has been with the Eagles. All the, the Rams, eh. The, the, I think he was with the Chiefs, eh. The Bears, he was aight. I he had his little moments of sunshine, moments of glory with the Bears last season, but it didn't last long term. The Bears still thought, uh, and Matt Nagy still thought it was it was wise enough for the sake of the, for the sake of the team that they start Mitch Trubisky in a playoff game over Nick Foles against the Saints back in January. So it ain't no guarantee that Nick Foles is going to come in there and all of a sudden is going to turn back into a 2017 Super Bowl MVP self again. There's no guarantee of that. Then what do you do? Now you're stuck. You got to deal with Foles. You got to deal with, you got you to gotta pay off. You got to maintain and manage Foles. And then you're stuck with Wentz. And oh, by the way, you're a team that's trying to compete and, and go and go to the playoffs. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So it's just it's it, it, it's dumb. Why they, they they shouldn't even entertain entertain the idea of bringing in Carson Wentz. Shouldn't entertain it. Should not entertain it under any any circumstances. Shouldn't. And I like Nick Foles. Good guy. You know, one of the great stories in my lifetime in sports in the NFL, that 17 that 17 Super Bowl run, and then when he did it again and get the Eagles into the playoffs and won him a playoff game the next season, I, I like Nick Foles. Nothing against him, the player, nothing against him personally. But you got to be fair, you got to be honest, and you, and you, and you got to look at this with an ounce of common sense. It's bad news if if they decide to pull the trigger and go after Foles. It's bad news. Back in a flash, I'm going to tell like TIS podcast. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to Major League Baseball. Got three teams. Want to provide my commentary uh, here. Uh, right quickly, uh, we'll do the Yankees, Red Sox, and the Mets. Yankees first. Um, it looks The Yankees make me nervous because uh, it looks like ever since I, and it's been a, about a few weeks, uh, nearly a month since I wrote the Yankees off as being dead, finished, through, kaput for the season. 
Well, they've had an eight. They have an eighteen and eight record since July the sixth. That's the best in baseball. They were nine and a half games out of the division lead in the East, and four and a half games back of the second wild card spot on July sixth. They are now five and a half games back in the, in the American League East for the for the first place, and one and a half game back at in the for the second wild card spot in the American League. They're seven and one in the last eight games since acquiring Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo. They've won. They've had three straight comeback wins in that stretch, and they've won four in a, and they've won four in a row. They're they're they've lost two game. They've lost two games out of their last uh, in the, out of the last chunk, in which they got destroyed by Tampa fourteen to nothing and lost my Orioles on Monday night seven to one. But they've but they've won every game outside of those two since they swept the Marlins in Miami, took two out of three when they returned to Yankee Stadium against my Orioles, and they took the first two games of the series on the weekend uh, against the Seattle Manners, and they walked off the Manners on Friday night. Now it does come at a cost because Chapman is going to spend some time on the D. With the with left elbow inflammation, so we're gonna have to deal without Chapman for the time being. But Yankees at sixty and forty nine, third place in the American League East, on a riding a four game win streak, and not too far behind Tampa for first place in the American League, and a game and a half, a game and a half, uh, back of the second of the second wild card spot, the New York Yankees. Who have to chase Oakland for that second wild card spot? Who are currently sitting at sixty-two and forty-eight? The New York Yankees may, 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 may make me eat some crow. We'll see if by the next show at the end of the month, uh, you know how we how I stand as far as my uh, declaration of the New York Yankees being dead. And if you look at their schedule. For the rest of the season, they have Seattle. They finish up the series against Seattle on Sunday. Then they have three against Kansas City on the road, uh, and then they play. And then they play Chicago. Then they play Chicago. The Angels. The Angels. That was that made up game of a rainout of a rainout back in the beginning of the month of July. Uh, a home game, a, a, a lone home game against the Angels on August the sixteenth. Then the Red Sox. The Twins, who are dead, Atlanta, who's trying to, who's still competing with the with the National League East up for grabs. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and then, of course, the Oakland A's, the Angels in Anaheim, the Orioles, Toronto, the Mets, Orioles again, Cleveland, who's finished, Texas, who's finished, and then key games against the Red Sox and Toronto to close out the month of September. And well, they actually have a key stretch of games to close out the season. All three against American League Eastern Division opponents. Um, two out of the three are on the road at Boston, at Toronto, and against Tampa. Those three teams will be in the postseason hunt as the season winds down. We'll see if the Yankees will make me eat some crow. They've been able to. They've been hitting. They've been hitting a whole hell of a lot. Bullpen's been bullpen's been solid. Uh, outside of Andrew Heaney, who stinks, who vomited all over himself against the Orioles, uh, against my Orioles on Monday night, and was not good uh, in a start on Saturday afternoon against the Seattle Mariners. Outside of he, the, the Yankees have been doing a pretty decent job. We'll see if they will make me eat crow. The Boston Red Sox have been struggling. Uh, J.D. Martinez goes on the COVID list, uh, which is just which is just uh, putting extra salt on the wound if you're the Boston Red Sox. They've lost two in a row. 
though they've had a very, very, very spotty stretch of games. They after uh, you know after they took uh, three or four from the Yankees, in took three or four from the Yankees in Fenway. They play the Blue Jays. They lose. Uh, they lose. They you now one game gets postponed. It was a four game series, but they lose two out of three to the Blue Jays at home. They go on the road to play Tampa. I understand Tampa's a gutty, gritty team in first place in the division, but if you want to make a playoff push and you want to prove that uh, and you want to you know, try to make a push to take the division from Tampa in the American League East, you got to do better than going to Tampa and getting swept three games, swept in three games uh, against the uh, Toronto Blue, uh, Toronto, against the Tampa Bay Rays second half of the season. They lose two out of the, they lose two out of three, uh, two out of three on the road against the and now they've been better than they have been in season past past but still the uh, Detroit Tigers are not making the playoffs you cannot lose two out of three against Detroit Tigers on the road and then they oh and then a weekend series against the Toronto Blue Jays they get absolutely smacked by uh, Toronto to begin the series with a 12-4 loss on Friday night Boston Red Sox have hit have hit the wall and it really cannot have come at a worse time for them a time where the Yankees uh, now, whether it stays, whether they're picking, whether they're picking and hitting their stride too early remains to be seen. But it does not help them uh, when the Yankees are 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 right are uh, three games back of them for second place in the American League East and are and are chasing behind uh, and they're also chasing Boston as far as the top wild card seed is concerned. They're not the Red Sox not doing themselves any favors by picking now of all times to start vomiting all over themselves while the New York Yankees are starting to hit their stride and are starting to play uh, and are starting to play good baseball. That's that's not that's not a recipe for success as far as the Boston Red Sox are concerned. And then team number 3 is the New York Mets who, you know, they, they should have ran away and hid, hid in what has been an absolutely god-awful um, National League Eastern Division for the 2020, uh, 2021 season, excuse me. They should have ran away and hid this division is so bad, but they haven't. They are three games above 556 and 53. J- Jacob DeGrom, Christ knows when, when, this, when will be the next time we'll see DeGrom pitch. Uh, in 2021, they're shutting them down to September, and that's as far as the uh, Mets are going to let you know of that. They are a half; they have now lost the first place lead. They're now a half a game back of the Philadelphia Phillies in the National League East. Like I said, who oh, and the Phillies have 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 eventually quitted uh, farting around and playing mediocre baseball. They've won six games in a row. Atlanta is chasing the Mets. They are right on the Mets' tail as far as the. Uh, the top three teams in the East are concerned. The Atlanta Braves, who we thought were left for dead when Osuna, uh, when Osuna uh, was shut down for the rest of the season with his domestic violence issues, and they have and they've had to play the last a few weeks of the seat, the the rest of the month of July, and all throughout the rest of the season from here on out without their best player and uh, Robert and uh, Robert Acuna. Uh, so they you know, have to play without uh, Ozuna, 
uh, Marcelo Zuna, and then, of course, Acuna out there, their star right fielder with the torn ACL is going to be lost for the rest of the season. We thought the and, and, the, and the Atlanta Braves, who have sputtered and have never really caught their stride out of the gate when the season started in April, May, June, and then in early July, now all of a sudden the Atlanta Braves starting to make some headway, and everybody thought that their season was over. They're at 56 and 54 on a four-game win streak, a game, a single game behind the Philadelphia Phillies for the for the National League Eastern Division lead. The Mets a half game out of first and now have lost two straight and they're three games of three games above five hundred. You know, they, and they've sputtered and have spun their wheels recently. They uh they split what did they do? They uh they split a series against the Atlanta Braves, a series they had to take three or four from. They split a series against they split a series against the Braves. They and then they go ahead and they play the Reds, who they took care of business taking two of three a few weeks ago. They go ahead and they play the Reds in flushing in flushing Queens. They lose two or three against the Cincinnati Reds. And then they go ahead and they play the Miami Marlins who are forty seven and fifty three, ten games out of first place. Their season is finished. Could put they go over to Miami and they lose three or four three or four against the my against the uh, Miami Marlins on the road losing six three five four five three four two and they go ahead and they play the Philadelphia Phillies the team that's hungry that's trying to make the postseason and they lo and they lose the game four and they lose the game four to two and they lose the game four two to allow the uh, Philly to to get to get the uh, lead in the National League division here in August of 2021. So uh, so now the now the, the Mets are really really in the you know what with their season hanging by a thread. No team it's it, it uh, there's one team coming out of the National League East this season and it's the team that wins the division. The National League is way too competitive and is way too good this season with the three excellent teams in the National League West between the Giants, Dodgers, and the and the San Diego Padres, and then of course in the National League Central with the Milwaukee Brewers and the Cincinnati Reds. So the only team that's making the playoffs out of the National League East is the team that wins the division. The Mets have five games out. I mean, it's it still matters. Anything can happen, but the chances of of a wild card team coming out of the National League East is slim to none. Having said that, they're five games out of the second wild card spot, and having to and a team that they have to chase. To get to that second wild card spot, the Cincinnati Reds, who did who they did not play good ball against uh, during while the Reds were in Flushing earlier in the week, and then on top of that, they have to they have to fight off the Braves, who they thought were left for dead, who are who's who's currently chasing them to get first place in the National League East, and then of course the 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 uh, the mediocre Philadelphia Phillies have finally woken up. They're on a six-game winning streak, and now they're in first place by half a game in the NL East. So the New York Mets, who should have ran, who should have ran away and hid, hid with their starting pitching from Degrom. And 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 the fact that the division was complete crapshoot this season and was very 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 subpar should have ran away and hid during during the peak summer months of the season are now in a situation where if they don't stop and if the Braves and or the Phillies keep on playing good ball the Mets the Mets. Who some who some people predicted to make the World Series and many were predicted uh, to win the division are going to end up missing the playoffs altogether if they don't get themselves organized, don't get themselves, you know, get their eyes dotted, t's crossed, and get the and straighten up and fly right.
And 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 oh and oh by and oh by the way, there's the rest of their starting pitching has not has not pitched well as of as of late. Look at Taiwan Walker as a perfect example, and Mark and uh, and Marcus Stroman of all uh, Marcus Stroman, mm-mm. and then uh, you got those two being the poster boys for the Mets' recent uh, struggles at the at the starting pitching position. And of course, who knows when the next time we'll see Degrom pitch? Not to mention that not to mention this team goes through spells where they can't hit. You know. They bring in Baez. Baez is, is too busy trying to fight members of the Miami Marlins instead of trying to win baseball games. And of course, Francisco Francisco Lindor, who should be playing better as a man who signed over who signed over a three hundred million dollar contract when the season began. The, the Mets the Mets are a mess. Now, will they recover? Remains to be seen. Will the Yankees? sputter out and and uh and make me look like a genius or will they make me eat my words and have it and and turn around their season and make and make a late push maybe steal the division from Boston and Tampa or 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 make the or make a or make a long run via a wild card game remains to be seen and will the Boston Red Sox get themselves together and put together what has been, for the most part, a spectacular season that they've had thus far until they've hit a little bit of, of a wall recently with J.D. Martinez going on the, going on the COVID list. Remains to be seen. Well, I will check. Well, we'll by the next time I come back on the air to close out the uh, to close out the month of August, we'll check back and we'll see if uh, how the Yankees, Red Sox, and Mets in particular hold up. One last order of business. It's a couple of NBA free agency signings. To close out the program, I'm Attila Katia's podcast. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Yankees wrapping up a 5-4 comfort behind victory to uh, take the weekend series against the Seattle Mariners at home in the Bronx. So that margin for them chasing the second wild card spot in the American League and chasing down uh and chasing down the first place Rays in the American League East that uh, margin their uh, their little deficit that they dug them that they dug themselves into just gets a little bit slimmer with every with every passing day and every uh, win that the Yankees put in the win column. Uh, gets to get some NBA free agency re-signings uh, to close out the program. Uh, Julius Randle four year uh, extension with the New York Knicks. Uh, up to total value up to five years, one hundred forty uh, million dollars. Had of course, Randall had a phenomenal regular season with the New York Knicks, uh, getting them to the playoffs for the first time since twenty thirteen. Came up very very small, as I mentioned that infinitum back in the springtime uh, in their first round series against the Atlanta Hawks. Kelly Oubre with the Hornets, Andre Iguodala, uh, World World Series NBA Finals MVP uh, back in twenty fifteen. Comes back to the Golden State Warriors on a uh, let's see, uh, comes back on a short de- on a deal with the Golden State Warriors. Says he wants to retire 
uh, a warrior, so he will he will uh re he will get that uh wish. Um, Reggie Jackson, a phen- what a phenomenal uh, postseason he had, getting the Clippers to their first conference finals in the history of the franchise. He resigns with the uh, he resigns with the Clippers a few days ago. Kawhi Leonard decides uh, uh, what a surprise that sarcasm by the way to stay with the Clippers. Um, Kevin Durant re-signs with the Brooklyn Nets on a full-year $198 million deal. Not a lot of movement as far as uh, players is, uh, signing with new teams. Um, but Kevin Durant stays. Julius Randle stays. Andre Iguodala comes back to the Golden State Warriors. And, um, and uh, Reggie Jackson re-signs with the LA Clippers and sticks with, uh, and sticks with Kawhi Leonard to try to uh, make it past the conference finals as the second team in Tinseltown. Not a lot of movement during this uh, current cycle of NBA free agency. All the big-time names, uh, you know, re-signing, you know, Kawhi, KD, you know, Giannis has been, has been signed. He's going to be in Milwaukee for a little while. So all the big-name superstars, Chris Paul's coming back uh, with the Phoenix Suns. A lot of the big-name a-list superstar NBA players have uh, decided to re-sign with the teams that they that with the teams that they were at uh, this past this past NBA season. So you don't get a whole lot of juice and a whole lot of uh, buzz and movement and rumors, all that sort of stuff is concerned. At least during this year's uh, NBA offseason and this uh, current cycle through free agency and everything else, with all the big name players going to be sticking with the teams that they're on for quite a uh, for quite a few years uh from here on out. Uh really really the biggest mood one even free agency it was a trade and Russell Westbrook getting traded from the Wizards to the uh to the Los Angeles Lakers. And yeah, you had some recognizable players and you had some role players jump ship and go to different teams, but as far as the big name a superstar that the NBA has uh, and a league that the NBA has sort of uh, been driven by for the better part of the last 30 plus years years or so you didn't have a whole hell of a lot of movement as far as their big name superstars uh moving from team to team during uh, this during this period of free agency outside of outside of Russell Westbrook and that was even free agency that was via a trade so that is your final program, your second to last final program for the month of August and your last program until Saturday, August the 28th of the Amatel Akitayas podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. If you're new to the program, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it T-I-S. Uh, is where you can find the show on Twitter. It's your boy, Jai Shields. I will talk to you Saturday, August the 28th. Y'all take care. Y'all stay safe. And I will talk to you then. See you.